Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Beaver Parish Church. Guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. Uh, Roger, Neil. We're reading you loud and clear. Uh, the hatch is coming open. Hatch reported coming open at 109 hours, 8 minutes, 5 seconds. Okay, Houston, I'm on the porch. Roger, Neil. And we're getting a picture on the TV. Okay, you got a good picture, huh? Okay. Houston, commencing descent. Thank you. Okay, Houston, I'm on the bottom step. One small step for man. It's 11 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock? Oh, jeepers. Better get started. Hello and welcome to Beaver. Thank you so much for joining us this morning as we look at the idea of the next step. Now, don't let the extreme professionalism and those high-tech special effects from our little opening sequence fool you. I wasn't actually even born when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, but it has been a lifelong fascination of mine. Has ever the entire world been so captured by one moment as Neil Armstrong's historic first step off that ladder and onto the surface of the moon? It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Has a next step ever been the subject of such global fascination? Well, maybe not until now, because here we are poised at a next step. We feel like the world is changing. The restrictions are lifting. We know that life over the next weeks and months is going to be full of lots of next steps. And for a lot of us, these next steps are full of excitement. And for a lot of us, some of them are full of fear and anxiety as well. So this morning, we're going to join together to take our next steps, to think about our next steps, to pray through our next steps so that we're ready to take them together. So we're going to start off with worship. Paul and Ruth are going to lead us and we're going to do this worship song a little bit differently. Uh, during the week we asked you on Facebook, uh, we give you a photo challenge to send us pictures and videos of your next steps, uh, big steps, little steps, first steps sometimes and as always you responded in style uh, and sent us some fantastic images. So they are going to appear on the screen during the song. So. Let's join together to sing and proclaim and promise that our next steps will be directed towards the one way of following Jesus.
So thank you, Paul and Ruth, and thank you to everyone who sent us in one of those pictures. Okay, folks, loads going on. As always, please blather away to us on the chat box down the side here. Uh, and if you'd like prayer, push this button. It will not connect you to Mission Control. It will connect you to someone who would just love to pray for any requests that you bring to them. After the service, uh, the Sunday Club are meeting for a Zoom. Uh, and so this is Catherine's email address uh, and you can get in contact with her if you'd like to hear more about that. The 11 to 14s, you're meeting on Zoom as well. And this is Olivia's email address if you'd like to contact her to hear more about that. Also, next week, we've got a craft fair coming up. So here's more information about that. Hello, I'm Katie and I'm part of the church family at Beaver Parish. You might know me from choir. I want to tell you about our upcoming craft and food fair, which is part of the annual Creative Crafts Festival. It celebrates wonders, skills and beauty. But of course, we have to do that a little differently this year. It's all going to take place online where we will see our stall holders, see what they do, and maybe even get a glimpse of how they do it. So let's take a look at some of our lovely stalls. Antique Bird Feeders creates handmade bird feeders using repurposed vintage china and reclaimed wood. The Belfast Candle Co. creates candles, melts, diffusers, room sprays, body lotion, liquid soap, and electric warmers. The Lighthouse Drawing Rooms creates hand-painted cards and personalized keepsake gift frames for all occasions. Artwork by Lynn creates pictures with acrylics on multi-layered canvas. Table creates celebration cakes, cupcakes, granola, cashew cheesecakes, truffles and many other sweet treats. Hi, my name's Adrian and I'm the minister here in Beaver Parish Church. I'm standing in the aisle and as you look past me, it's impossible not to feel yourself being drawn to look upwards. That's the beauty. That's the wonder. That's what the creative arts do. They cause us to look upwards. So, come and join us online on Saturday 30th of May from 9am to 4pm. It's a great opportunity to support local, small businesses in this difficult time. You'll find us popping up throughout the day on our Facebook event. You can go there now and click on Going to get a reminder. To join in with everything that's happening, enjoy it all, have a look at it all, and pause, and wonder, and perhaps even look upwards. See you there. Now it's time for our Bible reading, and it's quite a long reading this morning, so we're going to try and uh, dramatise it a little bit by moving around and having a few different voices, so you'll maybe guess who the other voice is going to be. This is Acts chapter 1. It's Luke continuing the story of his gospel, continuing to write to Theophilus to tell him of all the events that occurred. And we're reading Acts 1 verses 1 to 17 and then 21 and 22. So Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the dates or times the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, 
they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They were all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Morning, everyone. Our thing this morning is the next step. Many years ago, in a desire for greater fitness and health, as a young clergy person, I was in the going into the tower block of the city hospital and thought I could do some exercise without having to really plan it here. I could go up the stairs. I think I was heading up to Ward 6. Now, you do need to know that Ward 6 is not the same as the sixth floor. When you're in the tower block, there's about five floors before you get to the first floor. I'm sure you've seen that on the lift buttons. Anyway, I decided to walk up, so I found the stairs and was on the way up. I have to tell you, by the time I got to Ward 6, I wasn't so much looking for a patient as needing to become a patient. Especially near the end, the steps, the next step, became more and more difficult. On a slightly different situation, back when I turned 40, I had a similar craze for increased health and decided to run marathons. I ran about three of them. I didn't run about three, I ran three. And on one of those, I remember in the final couple of miles, running along some streets in East Belfast, and a very helpful steward with a high-vis vest on and said to me, mate, you need to run on the footpath. I was running on the road at the time. And I had to reply, mate, I would love to run on the footpath, but I couldn't get onto the footpath. That step would just have been a step too far. The thought of having to step up and down footpaths rather than just run on the, the level of the tarmac of the road was just too much. The next step, any step, can seem like a very difficult thing. Something that might change things for us. So I'm with you on a sense of nervousness about what this thing might mean for us. Let's go back to the disciples. We're going to be looking uh, just in a few moments about some of the steps that we're facing there. But when we get to them in Acts chapter 1, there are a number of, of steps that have already taken place. One was that they uh, they got up and followed Jesus when he asked them way back at the beginning of his gospel stories. We're told that Mary and the other brothers of Jesus were part of this group around this ascension event. We're also told that there were many others, the women and many other disciples. In fact, there were about 120 all gathered together. They've all already taken steps. So I thought the first thing we ought to think about today is what, what are the steps, what has been the environment as we have got to this point where we're in? So I have somebody with me today that I'm going to show you on Zoom. Uh, Ruth Jardine's with us, who has been helping with a lot with Paul to lead us in our children's songs. And I wanted to begin with Ruth by asking her something to do with how she grew up in, in the world of faith and church and everything. Because like these disciples, and like ourselves, none of us have arrived at this point without there having been some past. So, like the disciples, they have known Jesus, Mary's known him all his life. Yeah, so let, let's turn to Ruth and ask her a wee bit about uh, what life was like for her as she was growing up. 
So Ruth, you've probably heard I've been uh, talking to the congregation about what the disciples were like and uh, what they had known of Jesus and everything. This is right up until the crucifixion and resurrection. So I want to ask you the same question when you were growing up. Did, did you grow up in, a, in a, an environment where you learned a lot about Jesus and all that sort of stuff? So what was life like for you? Yeah, I did. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, we went to church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school maybe two, if not three times every Sunday. Um, so if there was a Sunday school on in the afternoon. We were there as well. Um, and I remember that um, we had to go to church, really. Um, it wasn't an option for us. Um, I remember not particularly enjoying church. It was just something that we went to. But actually, thinking back, um, being part of the church family was really important. Um, so when I was involved in the organizations, I was involved in GB as well. Um, every week, really enjoyed that. But actually, it was the church family and the family there that was really important. And I always knew from a young age that um, my mom and dad loved Jesus, and that's what they wanted for me as well. Okay, thank you. Can, can we come back to our second question that we mentored to? No problem. Okay, thank you. Right. Thanks for that, Ruth. Uh, let's, let's get back to the disciples and the friends of Jesus here. That they, similar to Ruth, they had a, a certain amount of, um, well, quite a lot of experience and knowledge about who Jesus was. Now, maybe like most of us, we've got all sorts of stuff in our heads that we've heard about and have read about and everything else. But something quite dramatic happens in that process in their lives when they get to that week that we would now know as Holy Week and that Thursday night last supper and remember that crunch for Peter and that moment when they went into the darkness at the Garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers came and suddenly the whole thing is very much in their faces. Suddenly there's no longer the opportunity or the possibility of just being mildly interested in all of this. Suddenly this is life changing. And they watch their friend, their Lord, maybe he wasn't that at that stage with them, but certainly they watched Jesus being put to death on that cross. And then we know the stories we've been looking at them for weeks now of how they were hiding. They were in their own lockdown, locked away, frightened, uh, intimidated by the possibility of everything that could be happening outside the door. And yet, Jesus appears in their midst and then we, we've read a number of stories of the, of the resurrection and of Jesus appearing with them and talking to them. And just like Gethsemane and that Thursday night, it's right in their faces again. They no longer have the freedom to just be mildly interested. When you grasp the death of Jesus for humanity, in general, and for humanity, me in particular, when you recognize that Jesus has risen from the dead and has defeated death and sin and all sorts of things, suddenly you have to think, does this make a difference to me? Do I have, a, do I have to make a choice now? I can no longer just be a passive onlooker. With all of this, if this happened, I'm forced with making some decisions. So I want to go back to Ruth for a wee minute. Okay, so let, let's switch over to Zoom again. So we're back again, Ruth. And you may have heard me there saying that the disciples have reached a point where they've watched Jesus die. He's now risen from the dead. He's amongst them again. He's talking to them. And in some ways, they're faced with the need to decide. So was there a moment in your own life where you felt you needed to make some kind of intentional decision about who Jesus is and what he wants to do with your life, those sorts of things? Yeah, I made a decision really early on um, that I wanted Jesus in my life. But um, it's interesting what you said about it making a difference. I don't think that came in until later on. Um, so Jesus was in my life quite from a really early age. But it was in my teens, really, that um, I started to go to things like SU camps, and those made a big impact in my life. 
just knowing who Jesus was and actually later on in life, um, this needs to actually make a difference. It isn't just, I know Jesus, you know, what does that mean? And then it did make a difference through things like um, after university, I decided to volunteer with Youth for Christ for a couple of years and I was in a band and we traveled around England and Germany and, and it was all about telling young people about Jesus. Um, and I'm not saying that we all have to travel around, um, but it does need to make a difference. And it was important for me that I still continue um, to make the choice now that it's going to make a difference. And some days that is a choice. Okay, thank you. We'll come back to you again in another wee moment, but thank you for helping us with that, uh, the, the fact that we do have to make decisions. We'll, we'll come back on what's the next step in a few moments. Thanks, Ruth. Okay. Thanks, Ruth. So we're hearing there of how uh, Ruth actually had to make a decision, and then God has made the right decision, at least as far as I'm concerned. That's the right decision. I did exactly the same as a student. I made that decision to in some way take this seriously to open up my life to God and his purposes and plans for me and what that might look like. Now if we get to these disciples in Acts chapter 1 we, we recognise that the fact that they have hung in there and are still in Jerusalem and they're still in this upper room and they're still with Jesus that something of that decision is being made by them. They've bought into this They've decided that this is, in fact, uh, life-changing for them, and they want to be part of that. And we come to this next step, because Jesus, just before he ascends back to heaven, and we celebrated that on Thursday night at our service uh, that Rodney led, that Jesus said to them that the next step isn't quite yet. There is yet another bit of waiting, where he told them to wait in Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells them that the next step is going to be one of being empowered by God. There's going to be an internal and spiritual interaction of some sort with the Holy Spirit that is going to take them from a place of, of being committed to the idea of believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to the next step is going to be one that will literally take them out through the door. Now, they don't know that that's what's about to happen. They've been told to wait. And we're waiting. This is Sunday, the Sunday before Pentecost. It's like we're right with them in that upper room. There's another week to Pentecost. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus has returned to be with his Heavenly Father. And the third person of the Trinity is going to do what Jesus did. You hear a bit more about this next Sunday. Going to do what Jesus did. Is going to come and occupy the space of planet Earth in the space that is the hearts and minds of people like you and me. That's the next step. Let's go back to Ruth and see what happened with her. Okay. Uh, so Ruth, you may have heard me talking there about the next step that was facing the disciples and you've already hinted that when God got hold of your life, uh, some things began to happen. Uh, so I know we're looking backwards into your life rather than, although the disciples were still waiting for some things to happen, but do you want to tell us a little bit more about what it has meant for the Holy Spirit to uh, have got hold of you and empowering you and uh, pushing you outwards and onwards? And what, what, is, what has that meant, meant in real life for an ordinary person doing ordinary things? Yeah, I think that whenever sometimes you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, you assume or think that it always has to be something huge. I think that it can be. Um, so after Youth for Christ, I worked in the bank. Um, I applied for a job in Youth for Christ, thinking that was the right thing to do. And, but in all of it was praying and waiting. And actually, um, I didn't get the job. Um, I was then transferred um, to a different bank. And I couldn't understand this at all at the time. 
And yet looking back, to me, it's really obvious that God actually in a way was kicking me out of the bank. And I cannot imagine not being a teacher. I am so called um, to being a teacher. And there are big things like that in our lives that were led by the Holy Spirit. But I also think there are small things that are just as amazing. Um, and I remember a number of years ago, I had a dream um, of a woman from the church that I went to at the time. Um, and she was pregnant in the dream. And I woke up the next morning and um, remembered it quite vividly because this particular woman had lost a baby um, quite recently. Um, so the next day I went to church and this woman came up to me um, and said that she was pregnant and it was quite early on. And because she'd said that to me, I told her about my dream. And both of us were prompted by the Holy Spirit, but both of us, it was up to us what we did with that. Um, she didn't have to come to me. I didn't have to say to her. But because we reacted to that prompt and that nudge, we were both amazingly blessed that day. She just felt God was looking out for her, protecting her, letting her know that he knew um, that this was going to be okay for her. And for me, like the small things are just as amazing and these wows as the big. And I want to see more of the nudges and the prompts and also because they just transform lives and I want to be part of that and that is what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, thank you Ruth. That's been very helpful. So being faithful in the small things. Yep. Um, and if we do that together, those of us will become things that make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. Wow, thank you. Okay, let me get back to the rest of the congregation. Well, thanks for your contribution this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, that's been very helpful, thank you. And I love that illustration of how the Holy Spirit can work with us. Now, I want, to, I want us just to uh, conclude, really, by thinking about the next step that these disciples were facing. Let me, let me just take you back to the marathon race illustration at the start because of the steps that were required. Can I say something I think you should take great encouragement from? That if you're actually here watching this, You've already taken some steps. So it's a wee bit like that uh, in the final stages of the marathon. No matter how difficult it gets, you're only there because you've taken loads and loads of steps to get there. And I think we should all take encouragement from that. If you're watching this and listening to this, it's because you're already on the journey. I'm just inviting you to go a bit further. Second thing is, if you've been used to taking steps, if you want to think back and think about how you've moved along over, over weeks, months, years, whatever, why would you not want to take another one? Why would you want to get to whatever number of miles you are in the marathon and not want to keep going? No matter how difficult it gets, let's keep going. The third thing is, and you have to trust God on this one, why would God call us to come forward, to take another step forwards with him, just so that we could trip up or fall over? Remember the Jeremiah 29 about uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And fourthly, let me just take you into Acts 1. Verse 12, the apostles returned to Jerusalem after the ascension, and when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The first verse of the second chapter, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, no matter how ill-equipped any one of us feels, and we all feel ill-equipped, there always seems to be somebody who could do this better than we could. See the situation that we're in at the minute, the sense of God calling us to the next step? One thing we can be absolutely certain about, we're all in it together. Whatever God is calling his church to, whatever way he wants us to go forwards, we're all in it. Now we've all got to make our own decisions about how we are, what we are, and who we are, and our own responsibilities. But there's something about all of this that we're in it together. Just like they were. Facing this new thing, this new possibility, together. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pause in your presence. 
we recognize that you are whispering to us to come on, to come with you, to go forwards. So we invite you in these days, come and fill us afresh. The power of your Holy Spirit. Lead us into this week of busyness and activity, and yet still with the background of anxiety and fear and health and everything else. Lord, we want to walk with you. And Michelle, would you lead us on into We Are a Moment, You Are Forever. Now it's time for our prayers. If you would like to find a candle and some matches, we will light the candle during the prayers as we pray for light in the darkness. Today's prayers are taken from the diocesan 10 days of prayer between Ascension and Pentecost. And they're led by a variety of voices from a range of parishes through the diocese. So now, if you're ready, let's light our candles. And let us pray. Good morning to everyone in the diocese. I've been given the privilege of leading you in prayer. Lord God, as the season of Pentecost approaches, we remember your fire came upon the apostles gathered together in one place. 
we remember that fire burns inwardly. Lord, please warm the hearts of all your people in this diocese. Kindle the flame of sacred love in every heart. And may we all be consumed by your grace and goodness, truth and holiness. Fire also travels upwardly. Come afresh, Lord, upon every parish. Release worship and adoration. May relationship with the living flame triumph over ritual and routine. Wind of the Spirit, fan the living flame. Lord, send your fire. Amen. Lord, we thank you that in this time, with so much bad news, we're also hearing good news stories about community coming together to support one another. Lord, make us, your people, supernaturally equipped to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. Father God, we give you thanks for every person who's serving our community as a key worker. Medical staff and shelf stackers, emergency services and couriers, farmers and postal workers. God, give them your protection, give them energy, give them resilience. And Lord, for those who find themselves unemployed or set aside, we ask you to protect their minds from depression and despair. May the safety net of our society catch them and may they find their sense of identity and worth and purpose in you. Amen. Father, your son Jesus, anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, went about everywhere doing good. He showed care for the needy. He healed the sick, curing all kinds of diseases. He delivered those held captive by any sort of bondage. Be with your church. Anoint us with the Holy Spirit and with power. Strengthen us to pursue the mission of Jesus today. Give us caring hearts that we may show compassion to the afflicted. Let us not think of what we lack, but of the good we can do for those who are suffering in mind, heart, soul, or body. Lighten your children's burdens. Be their refuge in trials, their strength in sickness, their comfort in sorrow. May they experience your loving kindness through us. It is where brothers and sisters are united that you give your blessing. May we pursue life's journey together. Join in integrity of faith and unite in the bond of love all those whom one spirit has consecrated. Upon your faithful people of the Church of Down and Ramor, who have been fervently united in prayer, animated by holy hope, throughout these past weeks, send forth anew your Holy Spirit. May your love be poured into their hearts. May they be one. May we all be one, so that the world may believe. And now we conclude our prayers by joining together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, very carefully, let's blow out our candles. Now, over to Chris. Thank you, Helen. And you'll see more about the Diocesan 10 Days of Prayer on the Facebook page over the next couple of days. Now, time for our last hymn. So thank you to Michelle and the Hudson Collective who are going to lead us. As we get ready for our next steps, who are we going to trust? Who are we going to follow? The one who we have been able to rely on for all the steps that have brought us here today. Lord, for the years your love has kept and guided.
kitchen again. I, I kind of like to finish off in the kitchen. The kitchen is always in most homes, I think, is the, is the place where just people meet and where the business is all transacted and where everything goes on. It's a place of, place of comfort and of life, something like that. So um, our service is nearly over and there's been a lot going on there. And as you probably picked up, there's a lot about to happen this week. Some of the stuff coming from the diocese uh, some of the stuff from our own arts and crafts folk and that's a really important thing it's part of our Pentecost festival this last couple of years and we want to continue that as best we can and even some bits will be even better than anything we've done before so thank you to all those people we just keep checking on the Facebook and on the website to just get the updates every day on what's happening on each of those days now I want to just, uh, just finish with a few words really about the broader situation that we all find ourselves in. And uh, I listened to a school principal the other morning and she spoke what I thought was a great amount of sense. The first thing she said was that um, she's tired of listening to um, schools being described as closed. She said the school buildings might be closed, but the schools have never been closed. That uh, in every teacher's home, Right across the province, there are teachers working away, producing materials, answering phone calls, in contact with, with parents and families and the, the other staff members. And in every home in the country where there's a child, school is going on. Because school isn't really about a building. It's about a group of people who together are trying to figure out education. So I would want to echo exactly the same with that, that uh, they keep talking about churches reopening. I'd like to say I don't think we've ever been closed. We've certainly been as busy now as I can remember ever being. 
and the amount of interaction, the amount of stuff going on has just been phenomenal and wonderful and not just from Beaver but from all over the place and so much of it has been so good and such a fast learning experience for us all as well and thank you to everybody who's been joining in with that and taking part in that and I think even at times we're enjoying it and uh, having a real laugh sometimes at the number of times we've tried to do something and it hasn't worked. But then there was something else the school principal said that one of the uh, one of the big challenges at the minute is that school buildings, and let's, let, well, let's just change it to the church. Church buildings closed in a moment, and church programs as we knew them closed down in a moment. And within a few hours, a few short days, we had started to reinvent ourselves and reshape things and rethink things and all sorts of stuff. Now, we're not actually on a big roundabout that if we just keep going long enough, we'll end up back where we were before. Uh, there's no going back to the way we were before. That isn't going to be possible. Things have changed so dramatically. What we really have to do is find the way forwards. And that doesn't mean that there aren't some things about how we used to be that we won't find ourselves doing again. Uh, but it isn't just a matter of keeping going until it all reappears. The, the journey that we're on is one where we have to invent again our way forwards and our way to the things that matter and that's things like meeting and eating together and laughing together and praying together and being able to touch and hear and see weeping together when there's sadness hugging together when people just need comfort and strength and all of those things we're going to have to reinvent ways to do all of those things but the thing that uh, is the biggest challenge of all is that having reshaped into another way of doing things. The amount of energy from so many members of our church and, and all our staff members to actually make this happen. And it was, it was really the school principal said this, that there's so much effort going into providing the education that is presently co coming out from school staffs that for anybody to think that they could open up a school building and start to have children back in there, some of them, and some of them still at home, and the same set of staff be able to make what happens in the school building happen and what happens at home happen is just impossible. There aren't enough hours in the day for people to make those two things happen. And we face the same challenge as a church. Making what's happening at the minute happen is using up all of our time every day of every week. And how we could start to run a parallel system of doing other things that are back in the buildings as well as all of this. At the minute just feels impossible. I have no idea how we could make that happen. But that doesn't mean we're going to give up. And nor does it mean that we're not going to change and go on inventing things and go on finding ways. We will press forwards and slowly but surely we will find new ways uh, for us to be able to do things together and to be together and experience all of that. But it isn't just as simple as starting to do everything we used to do at the same time as doing everything that we're now doing. It's just impossible. But we are going to find a way forwards. Mm, yes. And one day, one day we look back in absolute amazement at uh, what happened in the early months of 2020. Would you join with me if you know this prayer? Surely by now, many of us know this off by heart. Go before us, O Lord, in this and all our doings with thy most gracious favour and further us with thy continual help that in all our works begun, continued and ended in thee, we may glorify thy holy name and finally by thy mercy attain everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. And whether you're going off to work this week, whether you're staying at home this week, whether you're part of our health service or our education or shops or businesses or whatever it is, let's together find our way forwards into what is going to be the most amazing couple of years of our lives of how we reinvent 
what we look like as a whole crowd of people in this land. Thank you for listening. To hear previous weeks and for more information, go to beaverparish.co.uk forward slash sermons.